Aguinaldo! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. All right, good morning, hello. It is the Brock and Salt Show, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, Seattle Sports app, and all the podcast platforms. Wherever Justin finds you, he will help you make sure that you have a podcast platform that works for you. Thank you, Justin, for your diligent efforts. We all appreciate it. Wherever they find me, you know. Yeah, seek Justin out. I yes. think that's always a, a good plan. You going to be at the ballpark this weekend for uh, the I Dodgers? I will be there uh, for sure Friday. Yeah. And I think there might be one more. Today? Day. I mean, we're, well, we're, we're, going we're today. all going to be down there today. Yeah, as, as fans. Yeah, how about that? We have a, a big uh, staff outing. All of the whole 710 staff heading today to the ballgame. Uh, and our fearless leader, Kyle Brown, who many of you have listened to uh, the show you know, in the mornings for a long time, know Kyle the Coog with his big fear of birds and everything else. You can find him at who is Kyle Brown on Twitter. And you can let him know that you think it's a little weird that he planned a 710 outing. Now, he's our program director. Now, he is our boss. He is our leader. He is the guy we follow through thick and thin, through fires and flames. He's out of town. Yeah, not here. What? What? That's insane. Come on, Kyle. What are we doing, Kyle? Be better. That's something I'd expect out of Howdy, not out of Kyle. Does that mean we can, like... <laughs> not go? Change, well, change the order for, <laughs> like... I mean, we're got, we, we're in an area where we're going to be getting food and stuff, right? Oh, we just, like, I see like, what you're saying. Just, like, run up the tabs and I don't Cow's see why there. not. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that, oh, <laughs> instead of this, maybe we'll order some. Do they have super fancy, expensive food? Like, know. what would you get if you wanted to do that? Like, instead of nachos, you'd be like, I'll take the... Well, what, are the what are the crab sandwiches that they got around there? Oh. Yeah, the... we're not in the Diamond Club, so I got mm. Fuku. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll go with some Momofuku. Can yeah. we bring that in special? All right. Um... <laughs> Mariners needed that win last night, right? Obviously, they needed a win. They needed to just not. I sort of see that game and that win in two ways. One, they needed to not lose yesterday. After losing four games in a row, they needed to not lose. They needed to not allow that to continue. And obviously, in baseball, you have two ways of not losing. You can either not play, which wasn't an option, or you can win. So it was nice of them to get the win because it meant that they didn't lose and they could get get back out of just snap themselves out of whatever the heck was going on with them. Okay, mm-hmm. that's one. But the way they won yesterday, I think, was more valuable to them than an incredible epic walk off win, which they should have had the day before. Right. That would have been great. That would have been an awesome way to come home after the road trip, lose three straight. It would have been great to get the walk off win. It would have been even better if it had been Kelnick. It didn't happen. Okay, fine. You know what you needed last night? A big, fat, hairy blowout. A walloping. And that is exactly what they got. A big, fat, hairy blowout. Just knock them around. Yeah, it was great to score the eight runs. I mean, that was cool. It was fun. I like seeing runs scored. 
right? I mean, who doesn't like seeing the offense sort of get itself going? And J.P. Crawford doing his thing for sure. That was now helpful. The stretch and the 2-1 pitch on the way to Crawford. Swing and a fly ball into the gap. In right center field. Phillips on the run. Reaches out. Kick it to it. And it's on the track and off the wall and a hop. Grant scores. Moore scores. Here comes Haggerty rounding third. He scores. Everybody scores. Yeah, it's a good thing France was on third for that one, or there's no way he would have scored. <laughs> Stop sending France. You know, I did I tell you my story about this? Oh. Hold on. I'll, I'll get, you know, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> I saw Manny Acta down at the ballpark, and I was like talking. I, I love Manny, as you know. He's one of my favorites over there, and I, I always like to try to spend a couple of minutes just talking to him. I met Manny for the first time when he was a manager with Cleveland back in the day. I mean, like I've I've sort of not known him since then, but sort of been around him a few times and just got to know him when he got here. And I just I love the guy. Anyway, I was at, I introduced him to somebody and I was like, oh, this is Manny Acta, third base coach. He's so great because, you know, he never really gets anybody thrown out inappropriately at home. And he's like, well, except for Ty France. <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's, he's just crushing he's Ty. He's like, he doesn't hold back. He told Bump and Stacey oh, the yeah. same thing. <laughs> he was like, him and Gino, man, they get me in trouble. Yeah. Well, oh, Ty. I, I mean, he was like, I'm going to stop sending him. Ty keeps telling me and I'm just I'm going to have to stop sending him. You had to send him last night. Of course he was going to score. How could he possibly have been thrown out yesterday? It didn't end up mattering, obviously, but dear Lord, man, he had all day to score on that. I could not believe he ended up getting thrown out. But anyway, that's the side note. You score your eight runs. Brian Wu was fantastic. He goes five innings. You know who else pitched in this game? Not Matt Brash. Not Andres Munoz. Not Justin Topa. Not Spire. No, those guys got to just kind of sit, rest, watch, and enjoy the game and let my kid's favorite player take over for Brian Wu. Bizarro. Eduardo Bizarro. <laughs> All right. Is it's not Eduardo. It's Edward. But they love, I mean, Cecily can't get enough. It's not Eduardo. She I have to really say, it likes took me a Eduardo Bizarro. I not say it like that in my head, too. You want to just combine the. Her two favorite players in the league are Eduardo Bizarro and Buki Mets. Those are, <laughs> she won't be told otherwise. Those are her two favorite baseball players right now Eduardo <laughs> Bizarro and Buki Mets. Anyway, that's what they needed. They needed to do that. They needed to play a clean game after the mess of the night before, right? That's a key for them. They got to play clean. They're not so good that they can just afford to go out and make mistakes. They've got to play clean baseball. They can't make mental mistakes. And while they did give up and out on the bases, it wasn't a mental mistake that Ty France got thrown out at the plate. He's just not fast enough. And that's something that is, you know, sort of needs to be kind of concerning. Yeah, that's that's a side note. Well, they made a play. But they, they and by the way, they did. It was actually a really nice yeah. throw and a nice tag and everything else. But, you know, buckle up. That's sort of my message coming out of last night. Buckle up. There's a very good chance, and now that I say this, they're going to win by like 13 runs today. But there's a very good chance that that's the last blowout of the year. Ooh, with the A's coming up? Yeah. Playing good. We mean the A's who just beat the Astros Astros twice in a row? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, heck, you may have a better chance of blowing out the Astros, (laughs) which is what you did when you were in Houston. No, I I guess what I mean is blowouts don't come around that often in baseball. And they come around even more infrequently for this team that just doesn't seem to play those sorts of games. So we may not. There are only, what, 18 games left in the season. You may not see another blowout for 18 games. Maybe you'll see one more. That would be great. But it's entirely possible that for the next 18 games, every 
single one makes your heart beat fast, makes your breath get challenging, makes your mind race, makes everything that comes with unbelievably tense September and into October baseball. Guys, this is what you sign up for. This is why you become a baseball fan. And you know how many times I talk about this. I love the way baseball changes over the course of its season. It's the element of hope in spring training, the idea that summer is not that far off and that warm weather will once again return, the sun will come out, and your team will be playing baseball. And then you get into the spring, and it's eh, it's just fun to have baseball back, right, in April and May, in June and July, and even into August in the early years. It's early parts of the month. It's following you wherever you go, and it's just kind of on in the background. And you watch two out of three games, and you listen a little bit in the car, and then the trade deadline happens, and you start locking in who your team is going to be. And in this year, they win 21 games that month, and all of a sudden you're right in the thick of it, and Texas starts to choke, and Houston looks like they are absolutely within reach, and Toronto's right there. And all of a sudden, it's September, guys. And now it's not just September. It's mid-September, and there's 18 games left to play. Essentially a football season left for this team. You know how much every football game matters? That's how much every one of these baseball game matters now. Because you are right there within one and a half games of each of the teams in the AOS. Throw Toronto in there as well. It is 100% G-O go time, man. This is where the games matter. This is where there's no tomorrow. This is where every single decision, every inning, every mistake, every great play, every home run, everything you do counts. And it's totally different from how it was in April and May. And for those people who treated April and May like football season, you're probably so tired right now that you can't get up into another level for what you have now. But guess what? This is go time. This is why you conserve your energy. And this is going to be a lot of fun. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Baseball, man, it is just where everything seems to take one more day than you expect it to, right? It was just yesterday the team had lost four straight, including three that they probably should have won. And Gino Suarez was the new biggest hole in the lineup. Will you fast forward and guess who led the way to victory last night? Here's the stretch, and on the pitch of Suarez, swinging a soft liner into right center field. That's going to drop in a base hit. Julio running third, he'll score. Around the third, Teoscar Hernandez. Up with the ball, Phillips. The throw will go into second. Hey, you, Hanio, with a base hit with two outs, drives in the first run of the game. Julio scores easily from second. Yeah, they go from there, and he would add a home run, a nice night for Gino. Had a pretty good night in the field, of course, as well. It's big for JP. He had a huge bases clearing double. But the one thing worth noting, I thought just based on last night, I just it struck me like it hit me in the head. You know who's really darn important to this team's success against lefties is Dylan Moore. He is the guy, right? This lineup loses punch when it has to go against lefties. Cal has to turn around, right? Kelna can zone forward or either force to sit or go against lefties, which is a bit of a challenge for them. And you just lose a lot of its punch. Dylan Moore is the guy who should come in and provide some of that pop they desperately need to lengthen the lineup. And he had a nice night last night as well. Also good to see another right-handed back bat back, at least for now. Luis Terenz was added with Brian O'Keefe on paternity lit. I just like Luis Terenz. Always have. 
couple of big hits, obviously, in his career here. I think he's a good hitter. Curious to see if he sticks when O'Keefe is ready to come back. He's obviously not as good a defensive player, but I think a significantly better offensive player. And he did have a double down the line last night, which was great. But then the last big part of a evening, of course, was Brian Wu, right? Huge bounce back outing with the benefit of a little bit of extra rest. And Scott likes what he saw. You see it right away in the first inning, I think, you know, and we saw we've seen him do that at times, um, you know, while he's been in the big leagues. I think, you know, thinking less and just trusting your, your ability is the way to go, certainly with young pitchers that have that kind of fastball. And Really, from everybody, from pitching coaches, myself, Manny, Carson, every time he left the dugout, attack, attack, attack. Just stay on the attack. And when you do that, good things happen. Well, he sure did it last night. Went five and two-thirds of shutout baseball, turned it over to Edward Bizzardo, and uh, the Mariners get to essentially rest their entire leverage group of relievers, which is good news. They win it 8 nothing. One other note from yesterday, Julio finally spoke after completing the 30-30 the night before with his 30th home run. Understandably, didn't want to talk about it after the brutal loss, but he was happy to do so yesterday. I feel like that's why, like, you know, I don't, I didn't want to talk, like, disrespectful to you guys. I know how I would talk to you guys and everything, but... I mean, I feel like you guys know me. You know, you guys know what I like to do and, like, what I'm about whenever I step on the field. And, you know, it's tough to talk about, like, the good things we're doing when us and collectively we're not doing good. So it just, it's always winning first for me. And, like, that's why that we're here, you know, just to say that as cool as it sounds, 30-30 and like, all this stuff, what I'm about is about winning. And I feel like that's why I step on the field and, that's what we're going to try to keep on doing and try to keep on helping the team every single man that is step on the field. Good on him, man. I think that's exactly what you want to hear. It's not that he doesn't recognize the accomplishment and can't put it into context of how cool it is. And he did spend some time talking about how his mom was excited, etc. But the night before, people are mad for good reason. He just blew a game that you absolutely should have won against a lousy opponent. Good on him for waiting, what, 20 hours or so before coming in to actually talk about it. Here's the second thing you need to know. Some good news. Sounds like this year's top pick, Devin Witherspoon, is going to see the field this week. Unfortunately, last year's top pick is a bigger concern. Charles Cross, very questionable all of a sudden with a toe injury. The Seahawks yesterday signed future Hall of Famer Jason Peters to their practice squad. That sounds great, right? Well, he's 41 years old. He spent most of his career as left tackle in Buffalo and then Philly before spending a year each in Chicago and Dallas. Have you happened to look up his nicknames? According to footballreference.com, he has three. The okay. Godfather. Okay. Ooh, wow. The Bodyguard. Yes, please. And my personal favorite, The Mythical Creature. So if you're, <laughs> if you're looking forward to uh, Jason Peters, you can call him The Godfather. You can call him The Bodyguard. Or you can just call him The Mythical Creature. But uh, regardless, he's probably not a face you want to be seeing starting this week, but if that's uh, the direction you have to go, certainly he has some experience with the position. Here's the third thing you need to know. Look, I know the NFL has like an almost Teflon-like ability to survive just about anything, but they got another set of nasty allegations to deal with came out yesterday. This time, it's longtime reporter Jim Trotter who was suing the league for retaliation in his termination from NFL Network earlier this year. So Trotter claims he was in good standing with the league, and then he asked the commissioner about diversity efforts during a press conference, and then told his boss, his direct boss, that the league 
didn't have enough minority representation in the newsroom, which would include NFL Network, NFL.com. Anyway, the lawsuit focuses on the lack, lack of diversity throughout the league. It accuses two different owners of racist comments. Trotter alleges that Bill's owner, Terry, uh, Terry Pagula, said, quote, if the black players don't like it here, they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is. Oof. He also says Jerry Jones of the Cowboys suggested, quote, if blacks feel some kind of way, they should buy their own team and hire who they want to hire. Anyway, both owners have denied those remarks in various ways. The other line, if you read through it, that jumps out to me is his boss allegedly asked Trotter if he was, quote, in alignment with the NFL after that press conference. Trotter says, no, I'm not in alignment with a newsroom that doesn't have any black representation in decision-making positions. Well, after that, he stopped receiving assignments from the league and was let go. Sounds like pretty textbook for... What is it he's suing for? Retaliation. That is textbook retaliation. Kind of crazy. All right, there you go. The worst part about it is I don't think any of that is very surprising to us. No, I don't think anybody falls over shocked when they hear it. I mean, you know, certainly the actual quotes are shocking, but I don't know whether anybody is shocked that they came from the mouths of NFL owners. That is shocked they said it around a reporter. But I'm not that shocked that an NFL owner would say something like that. That sounds about right. Well said, Maura. There you go. That's everything you need to know. And we do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk show. Yeah, we'll dig into that a little bit uh, later today. Crazy story. And, you know, I've never heard a bad word about Jim Trotter. That may doesn't mean anything, but I've never heard anything negative about him. That's a pretty intense lawsuit. And retaliation is an interesting way to go. Like if anybody has been in corporate training for anything, you know what retaliation is. Basically, it means that if somebody is alleging some impropriety in your in your company, you can't take seek revenge on them for doing so. And if Trotter is there asking questions about the league and its diversity, something it claims to care about, and he's asked, are you in alignment with us? That's super sketchy because if he says no and then gets fired, like that sure sounds a whole lot like it. So him asking Roger Goodell the question about not having enough diversity was public. Oh, yeah. He got let go shortly after. It doesn't seem like it would be extremely hard to. To prove. I know. Yeah. yeah, we'll see where it goes. It's a, it's a, certainly an interesting one. And obviously, you know, none of us being lawyers, I don't know all the intricacies, intricacies of it. But just based on my limited experience around that term, it sure seems like he would have a pretty good case against the NFL. All right. Uh, Jeff Passan is coming up next. What do the Mariners have to do here in their final 18 games? What comes next? Who do you need to root against the most? We ask those questions and more of Jeff. Stick around. You'll hear him next. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Man, four losses in a row all of a sudden. They add up quick for the Mariners, and they've come in a variety of ways. Three of them, though have been absolutely within their grasp and making them all the more frustrating. Uh, let's bring Jeff Passan into the conversation, our regular Tuesday with Jeff here at 830. Jeff, good morning. How are you? I mean, all four of them kind of within their grasp, no? Uh, they had the one, the Bryce Miller starred, and the last one in Tampa felt like they kind of got away from them early. But, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like so far. It wasn't like they got blown out. But the other three, they've had early leads or even late yep. leads in them, and they found a way to blow them. 
Look, I get it, Jeff. I, I understand that even really good playoff teams lose to teams where they blow a lead or their bullpen screws it up in September. It happens to everybody, and I try not to freak out about it. The mental mistakes, though, last night in September in a close game against a AAA Angels team, the, how, how seriously should I take the, the problem with mental mistakes at this stage in the season? Well, it's, it's funny because we've had this conversation about this team, haven't we? Like the the way that they just lost focus and concentration, but that was like a May conversation. And I, I remember, like, how do we how do we fix that? How do we you know we can diagnose it? It's clear, but uh, how do you address it? And that's just on the players. That's on the manager. That's on the individuals. They like if you don't understand at this point that every little mistake you make could be the thing that ends this team season, uh, then, then you don't belong around. And I think the players, all of them, all 26 of them need to, to really take that attitude in because they're out of a playoff spot right now, which is a weird thing to say considering where they were just a couple weeks ago. Okay, I, I'm going to get to some more of the details of some of that stuff, but I got to start on the positive here. I, I got to start on Julio. You tweeted about it last night, oh, yeah. 30 for 30. You know, we, we're so close to this, Jeff. Give us your national perspective, number one. And number two, compare and contrast him to Acuna. Uh, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is who Julio Rodriguez wants to be. Um, Julio has never said that to me, but if you look at who Acuna is as a player right now, he's about as close to a perfect offensive player as you can get. Um, He hits for power, and he hits the ball extraordinarily hard. Uh, He hits for average. Uh, He's got amazing speed. And the biggest thing about Acuna to me if you go and look coming into this year, his strikeout rate for his career was around 25%. He's striking out 11% of the time this year. It's it, it's the sort of leap that only the best of the best players can do because generally speaking, your your ability to put the bat on the ball, your ability to understand the strike zone can only improve marginally over time. The fact that Ronald Acuna has halved his strikeout rate is a wild thing to see. And it's what's fueling, frankly, this incredible MVP season he's having. And, uh, and I do think, by the way, despite the fact that Mookie Betts has uh, more wins above replacement right now, if I had a vote in the National League, Ronald Acuna would be my guy at this moment, not because I'm transfixed by round numbers because I, I, I I don't know. I've just never been someone who said, Oh, because he did two things that no one's ever done before that both ended zero, like a 30, 60 season that we should be in awe of him. No, let's be in awe of him because the power speed combination is ridiculous. And that's the same reason among others, I think that we're in awe of Julio Rodriguez, but beyond just the 30, 30 with Julio, it's the clutchness, the, the huge moments that he's coming up and like that ball that he hit out last night. Uh, that was like a, that was like a four iron. That's 
cured off the fairway. Like it was low and it was, you know, it, it wasn't flying high. It didn't have a, a whole ton of arc on it. That thing was just a piss missile. And the way that it got out and, and the reaction uh, among people at the stadium, uh, it was one of those incredible moments that deserved a better payoff than it got. It was a crazy game last night for a bunch of different reasons, but it might have had two of the most impressive home runs I've seen this year based on where the ball was pitched. One obviously being Julio's. The others, did you see the first one that Ohapi hit that was up and in 96, 97, out of the zone, both up and in, and he gets his hands inside it to pull it out at that part? He's very good. Like there's gonna there's there's gonna there's gonna be a lot of Cal Raleigh, Logan O'Hoppy, who's better over the next five years. Yeah, I was uh, I came away pretty darn impressed with that. So unfortunately, they lose that one. They're now uh, they've now lost four straight. Yep. Now what? I'm just looking like I I know I shouldn't be doing this <laughs> because. You can't look past the Angels, even though they are, like you said, kind of a triple-A team right now. They they should they should win these two games. Um, you can't look past the Dodgers, of course. You can't look past – well, you can't look past the A's. You just hope – you hope for a sweep there. Uh, but I, I can't help but look at that, like, last 10 games of the season. How ridiculous is that going to be and how wonderful – are the schedule makers for have, having given us what amounts to a week and a half of playoff baseball before the playoffs even start? Yeah. That's what those games yeah. are, guys. Right? Yeah, that's how you quantify it. Yeah, that's how you. That's that's how you quantify so it. Stressful. You have no idea the amount of pain, which is going to lead me. Justin, can you fire it, please? I'm going to do it eight minutes in. I know it's usually fifteen minutes in, but you know it's. It's playoff time. It's personal time. Go ahead and fire the passing oh, personal give me, question. Give me one second. Here. Oh, come on. Yeah. You, you, uh, I, oh, shit, I had it ready. <laughs> <laughs> Are we trolling Justin now? So bad. So bad. Really, it's so good. It really plays. Oh, it's so it's bad. So bad. Oh you're, my god. You're lucky we're on so AM bad. radio. It's, it's can, so nobody bad. Nobody can hear just how bad it is. Oh, it's so bad. It's so good. But you teed me up early with it. Okay, and you you can't wait. Oh, I can't wait for this. It's gonna be amazing. See, that's wonderful for you when you don't have like a personal interest in it. So, passing. Do you have any team? that just makes you sick to your stomach like Salk and I? Do you have any team that loses and you can't sleep like Salk last night? Do you have any team that just moves your water in that kind of way that just infuriates you that, yeah, you could say it's great, but the amount of stress and pain and chaos that it causes you, do you have any rooting interest for any team like that anymore? That is a great question because for the longest time, Brock, the answer was no. And it was, it was a combination of a few things. Thing number one, I grew up in Cleveland. You want to talk about getting punched in the face by sports team, right? I can run you through whether it's the Browns when I was younger, uh, you know, the fumble, the drive, uh, the move, um, you know, coming back and, just being pathetic and continuing to be. And there, there are these like little teases that the Browns would have. And then they they would just, it was like Charlie Browning 
every time. Like the Jets last uh, night. Yeah, very much so. Um, the the Indians. But, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't realize this, the, the Indians now Guardians haven't won a World Series since 1948. So while, yes, I feel your pain, Seattle, uh, you know, almost 50 years is a really, really long time. Uh, like, try 80. Um and and so because of that, as I got older and as I had less time and uh, more stress in my life, whether it's work, kids, uh, whatever the case may be, I realized my life was just so much better without rooting for a sports team. Because as good as the pleasure is when they succeed, the pain when they don't is just not worth it. Wow. Uh, and then, then Patrick Mahomes came to Kansas city and then (laughs) I real, and, and then I realized, um, this was a couple of years ago. I realized that I have a very finite amount of time left with my older son before he goes to college and never comes back because I don't imagine he's ever going to come back. And so, uh, he is a huge Chiefs fan, and so I got Chiefs season tickets because I wanted to I, – I didn't want that feeling again because I still hate it. It still nauseates me. The trade-off is still not worth it, even with a team that's won two Super Bowls in the last five years. But I am, I am still back there because – uh, my child didn't force me to be, but compelled me to be. Gotcha. I tell you, that surprises me. Honestly, Joe, I'm not joking. I'm surprised by that a little bit. And and honestly, I, I like it. I did not have you pegged. I'm not joking. I'm not making a joke. I did not have you pegged for somebody. The bandwagoner? Be, no, 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 not the Chiefs thing. Mm-hmm. For somebody who would be that emotional about sports that it would. Oh, my God. Because I, I think of you. I'm not. I'm seriously not making a joke. I'm surprised by it. I thought that you're such a smart guy and you wrote a book that's so analytical and everything else. I think of you as a very analytical human. It's surprising to me that you have that level of passion and emotion that it's hard for you to enjoy sports. Kids dude, like that's the, that, that to me is the kryptonite right there. Huh. Uh, they, they will, they will, you know, as much as sports will make you do irrational things, uh, I think kids are are the the hub of all irrationality in life. <laughs> That's probably true. Well, speaking of irrationality, what a wonderful segue into George Kirby's comments from over the weekend. Because I got to ask you about these, uh, and at some point maybe I'll get to Roger Clemens and the fact that it's really rich hearing Roger criticize George, but. That doesn't mean George was in the right. Uh, here were the comments, the initial comments he made. I didn't execute. He had a good pitch. Um, I wish I wasn't out there for the seventh, to be honest. So I was at 90 pitches, and I didn't, I didn't think I needed to go anymore, but you know, it is what it is. So. Is that a conversation in the dugout, or is it? It'll be a conversation soon. I mean, really inexplicable. He did go on the next morning. I don't think it's fair to play that without his apology the next morning. Yeah, I just wanted to address what happened yesterday. Obviously, I screwed up, and you know that's not you know that's not me. And you know, Skip's always got to pry that ball out of my hands. And he goes on from there, but you get the idea, Jeff. What did you make of that entire ordeal? I mean, it was dumb. I I also don't think that. 
it's particularly indicative of how George Kirby actually goes about his business. Like, that's the thing. If, if George Kirby weren't the guy who has gone deep into games in the past, I would be like, okay, this guy is just soft. But he's not. He's, you know, he's, he's somebody who went out there and threw like nine innings in a playoff game, right? Um, I mean, he's, he's somebody who's gone out there and I think actually prides himself on going deep. And that day, uh, didn't have it toward the end, and that's going to happen. Like, uh, and and he talked about it. And I I never am going to criticize an athlete for being honest because that's that's what we look for. But there are consequences to honesty sometimes. And I I think George Kirby's reputation did take a hit. Uh, I don't look at him any differently. I don't look at him as someone who doesn't want to be out there. Um, but at, at the same time, this is something that, you know, over time he will certainly recover from because I think he is going to be someone who's throwing 100, 110, 120 pitches in important games. Bear with me here just a little bit, both a, a long question and a little bit of background with it, Jeff. And I know this is totally speculative and you can't really answer and put a percentage and you're an analytical guy. But how many pitchers and young pitchers in 2023 have those thoughts rambling in their skull versus young pitchers in 2003 with that same thought? And I ask that because of your book. I ask that because these young guys know that this thing hanging to my shoulder here is a ticking time bomb. And what I'm doing with it today versus what they did with it in 83 and in 93 and in 03 is different. And I've got to look out for this thing on, you know, that, that's making my living. So I wonder if, and I'm sorry, it's kind of long winded, but just a percentage no, of no, guys. It's, it's a, well, it's, it's an, it's an interesting question. I think it's kind of an important question to ask because it gets to how are pitchers being reared? Uh, what are teams doing? in order to prepare pitchers to go deep into games. Um, And in some cases, the answer is nothing or, or not enough. And I I look at a guy like Kirby, who's averaging more than six innings to start this season. And, and to me, (laughs) when a guy's averaging more than six innings to start, that's actually someone who's, who's doing it right. Um, you know, when, when you look at George Kirby's game log, um, you see the shutout in there. And by the way, I was, I exaggerated my, I think my excitement over that playoff game last year, he went seven innings on nine. No, but he also came in to close out the blue Jays game. So he kind of had two big moments in those playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's just, he's consistently in games, but, uh, they don't throw him a lot of pitches. And and that, I think, is, you know, that's on the organization, right? Uh, I'm not suggesting that they should have or they could have. There, there's a very good chance that the organization sees something uh, in George Kirby's stuff where at the 100 or so pitch mark, it just it drops because this is not a guy – uh, who's thrown more than 103 pitches this year. Like the, the game in question there, it was the second most pitches he'd thrown all season. Um, and it was only 102. So 
the the notion that um, you know the notion that guys are going to be horses the way they were in the past, Brock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't see that happening unless there are rules changes put into place that encourage guys to go pitch longer and deeper into games. What kind Otherwise, of rules changes? It, um, you know, like, like a double arbitration hook. awards. No, 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 no. Like the, do you know what the double hook, uh, rule is? No. Uh, if you pull your starting pitcher, you lose your designated. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. That sort of thing. Uh, if there, if there is incentivization for starting pitchers to stay in the game, for example, uh, instead of carrying 13 pitchers, teams are allowed to carry only 11. Well, what happens when you carry 11 pitchers? Your bullpen can get taxed a lot earlier, which means your starter needs to go at least 100, maybe more. Um, that these these rules changes probably are not going to happen because I think organizations look at arms right now like they have absolutely no idea how to keep them healthy and – Uh, This goes back to what I wrote in the book, which is now seven years old. Uh, The instinct of human beings when people get hurt is to do less of what got them hurt as opposed to strengthening uh, the, the areas that are getting hurt. And so while you have programs in place to strengthen shoulders, you can't strengthen an elbow ligament. Like uh, you can't make a ligament bigger or give it more tensile strength. So you're always running up against the, this uh, immovable object in the elbow, and and you're just hoping that what you do as an organization is not contributing to the degradation of it. And, uh, you know, in George Kirby's case, I think we look at his pitch counts, and uh, that, that to me is going to be the sign of George Kirby's next evolution. Mm-hmm. When can he consistently go, or can he consistently go, 110 pitches as opposed to the 100. Some great text messages coming in. Uh, Matt in Oregon says, Brock must really respect Passon's time because he has no problem asking 90-second questions to Jerry, but he's walking on eggshells with Passon. <laughs> That's pretty good. Did he say passing time? Is uh, that what he said? No, he just says passing. The wine and, and passing then time? 509 says, uh, I love how Jeff always notes that Brock asks good or interesting questions <laughs> and typically has little emotion beyond contempt for whatever Saul has to say. <laughs> Yeah, what's up with that? That doesn't that doesn't that doesn't seem right. Well, let me ask you a simple one here, Jeff, before we get going. Uh, with a couple simple weeks left in this season, yeah, exactly. If you're a Mariner fan, who should you be rooting against the most right now? Toronto, Texas, or Houston? And two of those teams playing each other this week. Uh, well, are are you saying who's the likeliest to collapse? It could be. I mean, you know, you can take it how you want. This is a this is an Jeffrey, open-ended canvas, kind of question, Jeff. The canvas not, is yours, yeah, Mr. We're, Ross. We're, I'm trying to set my guest up to succeed. I've been accused of not always doing that in the past. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, I would D- think minus. Texas just, just because the the Mariners are playing Texas the most, right? Like, they, if, if they go into those series with the Rangers with – a little bit of a, a buffer because the Rangers collapse continues, then, well, uh, th- that would be a helpful thing. So I think because they're playing them the most, the, the logical answer there is Texas. Uh, the emotional answer is obviously Houston. Yeah. Um, just because, generally,
generally speaking, I'm, I'm not going to lump myself in this category, but generally speaking, people hate the Astros. Um, and and the, uh, the the answer, if you if you want to deeply appreciate the supremacy of the AL West alongside or perhaps even above the AL East this year would be Toronto because you could have three AL West playoff teams. Who's the weakest team of the four? Of, well, let's leave the Mariners out of it for now. Who's the weakest team of the other three? Pains me to say this because I've been on them all year, but I, I and, and I don't think it's because of how they've played recently. I think it's because they're missing their third baseman. They're missing their right fielder. Like the Rangers are banged up. They are not the best version of themselves right now. The Blue Jays are playing good baseball. The Astros are pretty healthy, and uh, the Mariners with Kelnick back. Like, is there a, is there a significant injury uh, that that there's a guy waiting to get healthy? Yeah. No, just that. Man, he was so close yeah. yesterday, Jeff. He could have been the hero in the in the ninth. You like Bonnie Tyler? So I love Bonnie Tyler. You like Bonnie Tyler? I do. We were searching for a hero, and he had every chance in the ninth, Jeff. He had every chance. Bases loaded. It's uh, all set up. All you right. couldn't have written a better script. We got to get going. We got to let Jeff get going. He's off to uh, cry with his kids and watch uh, Patrick Mahomes, apparently. Not something I expected today. You never know what you're going to get when you talk to Passon, but that's what we got today. Thank you, Jeffrey. We'll talk to you next week. Look forward to it, boys. See ya. Of course, uh, every single Tuesday at 8.30, we talk to our guy, Jeff Passan. And then uh, just for fun, we play it uh, the next morning at uh, 6.30 in the morning just to give you a little chance to make sure you get uh, to hear him. All right. Um, hey, if you got a minute or two this morning, I know we're going to talk a lot of Mariners. And obviously, uh, KJ is going to be in at 8 o'clock. If you get a few minutes this morning, I really enjoyed the conversation that we had yesterday regarding a lot of the blame that seems to be really directed at Pete Carroll. So uh, wrote about it last night. You can find that at seattlesports.com. I'll tweet it out here later this morning. But uh, as I was kind of writing and thinking through it, I I feel like I came upon a couple of other ideas as to why Pete ends up being the person that is such a focal point for folks. So I'll see if I can let you guys know about that over the course of the morning as well. Don't go anywhere. We got a ton to do today. We got some funny around the NFL stories. You get to hear what one person said about Russell Wilson coming up in a half hour that I promise will make you laugh. It's all coming up here on Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710 seattlesports.com.